When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got a lot to get to. Of course, we did not have our second show last week. I was down in Florida for family vacation, and we had some spotty Wi-Fi, so we decided we'd just knock one out here Monday morning to recap both the Iowa and Maryland games. So we'll talk about both of those. Huge wins for the Badgers over the course of these last few days. Then we'll, of course, talk a little bit about the Badgers' upcoming contest Thursday evening with Ohio State. And then before that, we've got uh, just a bunch of news to catch up on. We've got some football news. We've got some volleyball news. Plenty of stuff to talk about after having a little bit of a break these last few days and stuff to get to catch up on, some recruiting. Um, we've got some player departures, all sorts of things as you get into this football offseason. So should be a fun episode to kind of recap and, and catch up what has been um, a busy last couple of days with two badge, two Badger basketball wins and some football news to top it off. Matt, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Yeah, no, it was, uh, nice to see the Badgers continue their winning streak, make it five in a row on the hardwood and hopefully they can keep it going. They're playing really well. Yeah, they're playing great basketball. So I'm excited to kind of dive into both of those, um, big, huge in-conference wins for the Badgers. One, of course, at home and, and one on the road. So before we do that, we'll, we'll get our news out of the way. Then we'll, talk about um, you know some basketball and re- recap both of those contests. To start, I know this is one that's probably been out there for a little bit, but we haven't talked about it. Um, Tyler Beach has announced that he is going to return um, for another year with Wisconsin football. Of course, a lot of these uh, older guys have, and we'll talk about that in just a second, there's been some other departures, um, but this one was maybe, at least for me, I don't know about you, Matt, but at least for me, it seemed like kind of a surprise that he was going to come back and give it another go at Wisconsin, but when you're talking about you're, you're going to have some offensive line, it's you know, change over with, the, the, of course, Joe Rudolph. You're going to have some other change. You're going to have some young guys working in there. I think this is a nice uh, foundation piece that you can rely on to, to give you something on the offensive line. So what did you make of him opting to return? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it was kind of a surprise. I think most fans were were excited to see uh, Beach move on and, and maybe see what Logan Brown can do. But I, I think – it's going to definitely um, ratchet up the competition in that offensive line room, give them some depth. Um, I, don't, I don't think, especially they're going to have a new coach, uh, offensive line coach. I, I, a lot of things pointing towards Bob Bostad taking over that role. Um, and you would imagine that it's going to be a clean slate. Let's see best five. Uh, and that should, that's how it usually is each offseason. But Beach is going to have to fight for his role. He, he really played a lot better as the season wore on. He was playing through injury early on in the year. Uh, probably shouldn't have been out there um, for for large chunks of it, especially those first three games. But 
But you look at it and you're now down probably to two starting spots that are up for grabs because you, you are going to guess that Beach keeps a starting spot, whether that's on the left side, whether it's on the outside. He's played a little guard as well. Um, got Jack Nelson and Joe Tipman, two young guys who I, I have a hard time imagining, um, them losing a spot. You know, I could see Jack Nelson pop out to right tackle or stay at right guard, but I, I think it, it definitely tightens the window for some of these other guys to get in on that line because instead of having three spots that I think that you would have imagined going into the offseason, now you just have two that are likely up for grabs. And, and we'll see, you know, the cream's going to rise to the top. And I think that Beach is a guy, when healthy, who can help you out. Um, you got to hope that he can put together a better um, super senior year than he had last year. But at the same time, he's still a talented player. Um, I know David Mormon, friend of the pod, was talked about how uh, he, he at one point had the best feet in that offensive lineman room, um, we'll see if he can kind of bounce back and have a, a good senior, super senior year. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting aspect. When you talk about there's so much, and this will maybe lead into the the Carson Hinden conversation that we'll have in a little bit here. But there's so much talent in this offensive line room, and when you've got you know guys opting for this extra year, like you mentioned, that's going to make it a little tighter for some of these young talented players that we're looking to get and see from you know the the Logan Browns, you know, the young guys from last couple classes. Those guys coming in are, are are gonna have a little bit more of a competition. But as you mentioned, cream rests at the top, iron sharpens iron, whatever mantra you want to go with. And when Tyler Beach, when he's healthy and when he's able to play at the level that we've seen over the course of his career, he's a really talented player. So if anything, he comes in and and stabilizes that room a little bit. It gives you someone with experience. If it gets back to where he was, you know, of course this last year you mentioned he was banged up. We don't know how much can you really take from it. I don't know. Uh, but if he can get back to where he was previously before that, that all of a sudden, you know, gives you an established starter in the Big Ten, or at worst, he comes in and he gives you some depth and, and maybe it gives you a chance to go with him early. And then maybe if it's not working out and, and he's struggling like he somewhat did this past year, you can go to somebody else, but it doesn't hurt to have, you know, a guy with a ton of veteran experience on that offensive line, especially when there's going to be change over already. So. It's going to be interesting to watch, you know, that I think in terms of position battles to watch going into next spring and into um, fall, that's certainly a spot now that, you know, you expected someone else to maybe getting some run there. Tyler Beach is now going to be in that uh, conversation as well. So it's going to be interesting, but I think this is only positives for Wisconsin. If you can look at it and say, you know, what we at least have, we, we have a ton of potential here with the player that we know, and at least at the, the very minimum, it gives you some good depth uh, on that offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Beach gets a look inside as as a guard, um, just because I have to imagine right now it's kind of do or die time for mm-hmm. Logan Brown, five star kid. You probably want to see what you've got there, um, and and you're replacing your left guard there. That might be a good spot for him. So uh, we'll see how it unfolds, but definitely there will be a ton of competition on that offensive line room when you consider the amount of young talent that's there waiting in the wings. Yeah, those battles are, are always fun to watch, and that will be no different as we get into this uh, upcoming spring and, of course, uh, next season. All right, well, now we'll talk about some departing players. So now we've got – I know I don't believe we've talked about um, these guys officially with after them making announcements. These were kind of ones that we thought were, were going to be departing, but we wanted to make sure and wait until they actually put something out. One of those is, of course, Jack Sanborn, who will be leaving Wisconsin, Jake Ferguson, and John Chennault. So – Three huge pieces to this team. We've already talked about Leo Chanel as well. So we talked about the linebacker room. Maybe that's a separate conversation of, of who maybe gets in there after with both of them departing. But 
Ferguson, Chenal, you know, both Chenals are huge departures. John Chenal in the fullback department is going to be a much bigger loss than I think people realize, and they'll certainly be transitioning to find someone else there. But what do you make of, of those three going on to uh, their future endeavors? It makes a ton of sense. Uh, I think that John Chenal was really the only one that I thought there was still maybe a glimmer of hope that he would come back. I guess you could say Leo as well. But I, th- I think you're, you're looking at the Badgers are going to have a ton of turnover going into next year, but that also leads to further opportunities for some of the younger guys. Might result in some some position changing, um, but I think Wisconsin will be just fine. I think they'll still have a, a really solid linebacking crew. They've done a great job in recruiting that position. Um, we'll see if Bob Bolstead is their position coach. Um, if he is, you got to think, hey, they're going to do great. If he isn't, I'm fascinated to see how they kind of shape up that room and continue to help those younger guys take on bigger roles. But I do think that the the talent level will be fine. It's not going to be um, the linebacker, inside linebacker room, isn't going to be what it was this past year because that they were playing at such a high level. But at the same time, it'll, it should be okay. They'll be fine. And I, I think tight end is also going to be another fascinating position. You mentioned Ferguson going on. There's a lot of guys that have played, but not a lot of guys have really done a ton. Um, we saw some, a little bit from Clay Cundiff, um, some dynamic playmaking ability at times, but he's also coming off injury. Jack Enschenbach, he was hurt for large chunks of the year as well. That entire room was decimated with injuries. So how Mickey Turner kind of helps mold that group into replacing what Ferguson has is going to be really important to the offense as well. Just, just as important as it was for that inside linebacking room in the uh, defense. Yeah. I think all three of these guys are going to be hard, you know, hard players to replace. You talk about Jack Sanborn and then his departure. I think you look at it and go, what more could he really do at Wisconsin? Same thing with Jake Ferguson um, and John Chanel as well. He had, I think, uh, when everyone looks at, you know, the other, you know, Sanborn and Ferguson, those are, you know, two top guys. John Chenault was a really nice piece for Wisconsin as well. So what more could those guys do, you know, next year with some of that turnover? It, it's hard to really say. I think they've really came out and, and proven um, that they have the ability to play at the next level. And then hopefully this opportunity is, is there for the taking. They can go on and, and, you know, you talk about Wisconsin linebackers. I could certainly see Jack Sanborn being a guy that goes to the next level maybe a mid to late round pick and all of a sudden, you know, is a guy that's in there and, and racking up eight, ten tackles a game. And I think I think Jake Ferguson's an underrated tight end in this in this draft class. And he's been a guy that's been on draft boards for the last couple of years. So now for him to finally be going out there and, and, and putting his best foot forward and trying to 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 make um the jump to the NFL is, is going to be great for him. So I think all three of these it makes sense why you want to take your opportunity now and, and see that, you know, you've got nothing really more to prove. Let's go see what's out there for me at the next level. But it's certainly going to be some some big blows for departures for Wisconsin. You talk about there's already a lot of turnover. That inside linebacker room is going to be a competition of, of some younger guys and guys that haven't seen a ton of play but should be uh, a fun group to watch. Same thing with tight end. And then we've talked about fullback, you know, multiple times with, you know, John Chennault not being there, Quan Easterling transferring out. They're looking for someone to step up in that role. So now with these three departures, along with Leo Chennault on the inside, there's just going to be a lot of positions to watch and see which guys really step up and, and, and take on a role that is, is going to be huge shoes to fill. I mean, these guys aren't just role players. or aren't guys that are just out there. These are, you know, one of your top offensive players, one of your top defensive players, and your starting fullback. So it's going to be a, a fun spring to see which guys and, and from the younger group can blossom into uh, potential starters at each of those positions. 
Yeah, and we'll and we'll do a an in depth depth chart look at kind of projecting things forward for the spring here in the coming weeks once the dust settles and everybody's kind of made up their mind if they're leaving or coming back. But I, I think it is going to be a, a big spring for Paul Christ and this staff. And and you know, first starting point is who's going to be on that staff come spring. And Paul Christ is going to have his work cut out for him this month of January. He mentioned that that's when he was going to be looking and making some of these changes. So. We'll see what he ends up doing in terms of shuffling along the coaching staff. Yeah, that's, of course, the the, the fascinating storyline that we'll all be keeping watch for is, is how Wisconsin approaches this upcoming season because it's now that time where the, some of these moves will start to be making or will start to be made uh, for the Badgers moving forward. All right, up next, let's talk a little bit recruiting. We've got, of course, uh, an unfortunate blow for Wisconsin that we haven't talked about yet. And then we've got an offer that Wisconsin put out in the transfer portal. So we'll go ahead and talk about both of those. First one, of course, a big one, um, Carson Hinsman, in-state linebacker, one of the huge group of in-state talent, unfortunately opts for Ohio State, choosing them over the Badgers. Um, it, it, I guess, I think some of us, if you, if you talk to people with familiar with Wisconsin and recruiting, I think a lot of people maybe felt that this was going to be coming, but you also felt that Wisconsin was still in the running. Uh, so overall, how big of a blow is this for Wisconsin to not land an, an in-state player at, uh, you know, the offensive line position, which they've done, you know, recently or over the past couple of years done really well in, in terms of recruiting that front? Yeah. I mean, you don't like watching four-star talent leave your, leave your state. Um, Wisconsin, uh, doesn't have a huge recruiting footprint, um, because there's not as many talent, as much talent at times in the Midwest. Like you look at it. The South has just a plethora of talent every, every city you, t- um, bounce over to. But to have a guy in the state who grew up a Badger fan and not be able to reel him in, I think is a pretty big blow. Um, I think Kinsman's going to be a very good center, um, at the collegiate level. We'll, we'll see if that kind of unfolds, but, um, you, you look at this and I think you'd rather have them there, but I think Wisconsin will be just fine. They've recruited the offensive line well enough to to contend and, and do a lot of nice things but it's it, it still hurts no matter no matter what to to bring in Brunner was huge I think to if they would have missed on Ham as well I think that would have really um crystallized this as a kind of a missed opportunity for the the coaching staff but but I think getting those two as well as Braylon Allen it's a it's a solid get there's a three out of the six you know super six or whatever you want to say um from that original group in the 2022 group, but I, I still have a hard time and it's a tough pill to swallow to see a, a four-star kid who had Badger stuff on his walls going somewhere else. Um, this wasn't Billy Shroff who, who, you know, had a, a father who was a Notre Dame fan. This was a guy who was Wisconsin from the jump and they just didn't close. And you saw that as his, as his recruitment kind of trickled on, it started to feel like it was going elsewhere just because Otherwise, he would have probably committed, right? Like Joe Brunner took his time, but still made a fairly early commitment to the Badgers. The farther it usually goes on, the the less opportunity it is when you're looking at keeping a kid in state. Um, Joe Rudolph leaving, I don't think that was the major reason because Ohio State lost their offensive coordinator as well, and, and that didn't change his mind. So I, I think uh, Wisconsin will have their work cut out for them moving forward. They've got to continue to do well inside the state and clean up there because you don't want other teams to start seeing, okay, we can get in there and uh, see blood in the water because Wisconsin 
has done so well from using that that uh, in-state offensive line pipeline, you got to keep that, and you don't want to lose it. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think in the grand scheme of it, when you add in, you know, that you like you said, you landed Braylon Allen, which of course turned out to be a much bigger player from what was part of that 2022 class. So it's not the end of the world. It's a tough blow. It's a tough pill to swallow for sure. But at least you you held at least you treaded water. I think in this 2020 true group, I think there were certainly in-state talent that you wanted to land. But if there was a position where you could maybe afford it, you know, we've talked about it a little bit with the Tyler Beach conversation. You, of course, you don't want to lose in-state offensive line talent, but there's so much talent in, the, in that offensive line room already where it's still a, a blow that hurts, but it's probably not as as damaging as it would be at some of these other positions where Wisconsin historically doesn't recruit as well. There's, there's, like you mentioned, there's going to be only a couple spots this year on the offensive line, I think, and, and you're going to have some talent already battling for that. So it's, it's certainly a tough one. You, you, like you said, you don't want to see a kid that grew up a Badger fan in the state, very talented, depart, especially for uh, another team in conference, a team that you're kind of chasing to try and get close to their level, um, who's, who's consistently putting out top recruiting classes and competing for national titles. That's going to be a tough one for, for years to come. But I think a silver lining is there that, you know, this is an offensive line room that has talent already. Hopefully some of these talented players that you've, you've kind of banked on, so we'll start to see that and we'll hopefully they'll click and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll show their potential and be parts of it in there. So I think if all of a sudden they don't, maybe that's a bigger conversation. But for right now, it's a, a position I think you can limit the damage by not landing a player like him. Yeah, I, th- I think you need to hope that some of those tackles that you brought on the last two mm-hmm. classes can pivot and become guards because inside they don't have quite as many bodies. Um, I think Tanner Bordellini is going to be a really good one. Uh, but, but you need to hope that guys, a couple guys can move kind of like Joe Tittman where, Hey, you're six, five, six, six, but you can still play inside. And I think they have the talent to do that, but that is something that is kind of missed with, with Carson Hintman because he's a 6'3 standard center who can move well, really smart. We'll see if Wisconsin can do it. I think they'll be fine. But it's still it's going to be a, a miss no, no matter what. There's no other way to say it. It was a, a miss that you would have hoped that the staff could have gotten. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, next up in terms of news, we've got a new offer for Wisconsin. went out in the transfer portal. Um, Devonnie Reed of Central Michigan announced that he received an offer from Wisconsin. He's also got some, some big offers from South Carolina, Texas, Missouri, Colorado, Louisville, Mississippi State, Virginia Tech, according to his Twitter account. Um, of course, a player that played for Central Michigan uh, put up some good numbers there and will come in to try and give Wisconsin a little bit more, possibly at that safety position if he does end up in Madison. Um, no news quite yet if he's planning on visiting the, the Badgers, but it certainly you would expect the Badgers to be in the mix with some possible playing time in the safety room there. So what do you make of uh, that offer going out for the Badgers over to uh, a former player from Central Michigan? Yeah, we, we mentioned last podcast talking about Wisconsin added uh, grad transfer from Toledo. They're, they're trying to add bodies into the, and experience into that secondary just because they are losing four seniors from that, from that area, two cornerbacks, two uh, safeties. So, Bringing a guy like Reed, who's who has played a, a bunch, um, and once again another really good high school that he is coming from, 
Belleville out of um, Michigan. Wisconsin hasn't, you know, done a killing in that area, but at the same time, I think it would help to see that. But this is the guy who started um, since all th- all seasons since 2018. So you're looking at a guy who's played a bunch. Hopefully, Wisconsin can can get in the mix, get a visit, because I do think there's talent that he can bring. Uh, but in, in the end, this is going to be a, a kid who has a bunch of different options because he does play at a high level, was a really good max safety. We'll see if how that translates to, you know, the power five level. But I would imagine that he would be somebody, if they're making this offer, they feel like he could add a dimension to that safety room, maybe um, the cornerback room even as well. So this anytime they're throwing out these offers, it, it's generally a sign of, where they see they need to add bodies, where they want to add depth. Safety is one that I think they've got some talent. They've got some guys that you feel pretty comfortable with. But being a guy who's a rotational piece and to go into being a full-time starter is a pretty big jump. Maybe they see this guy as somebody who can kind of bridge the gap. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a guy that you know, 287 tackles in his time at Central Michigan. That's That's a ton of football being played. I think with a year of eligibility, he's a good guy that, you, like you just mentioned, not just going to be come in and, and give you depth. He's going to be a rotation guy, even a, a guy that jumps into a possible bigger role. So uh, I'm really interested to see how Wisconsin kind of competes in this transfer portal with, you know, now them starting to get their name out there and, and start to go after some of these guys. Can they land um, a player like him over some other top schools? There's good schools that have already offered him as well. So who, who the Badgers can compete against in that transfer portal, which is kind of a new market in terms of recruiting, will certainly be fun to watch. All right, our next piece of news, Dana Repke signs a professional contract with Vero Vale Manza, um, of course, a huge step for her. We've talked so much about the accolades of her career, so for her to go and sign with the top um, league in Italy is certainly fun to see how her career will continue. I don't know how much you know about Italian volleyball, but it sounds like it's one of the top leagues over over there. So what do you make of her and how excited are you to see kind of her career progress into a professional contract? Yeah, I mean, I, I think she's going to do remarkably well no matter where she goes. Um, she She's just got such a good head on her shoulders and is such a talented player that uh, I have zero doubts. It doesn't, doesn't matter the continent that she's playing on. I think she's going to succeed um, and and wish her the best. I know Carlini had a really good career um, over, over there. I'm guessing that Retke will, will do the same, if not potentially even better. Absolutely. And to kind of give you guys a little preview of uh, what Dana Retke is looking for, we actually have an interview coming up with her with Scary Alvarez. Um, that we'll have likely out on our Friday episode. We'll recap the Ohio State game um, and then have that interview in the back portion of it. So if you're familiar with our podcast, we've had the Twitter legend of Scary Alvarez do an interview before once with Barry Alvarez, which we ran on the podcast um, probably quite a while ago now. But he's now has another interview that he recorded with Dana Retke. I've listened to pieces of it and when I was editing it. And it's a great episode. I think you guys will really enjoy that. Um, it was in his conversation with her. So we've had Dana on the show before. She's always fun to talk to. And I think you guys will really enjoy that interview as well. So we wanted to make sure to talk on her new contract and get a nice little plug in for our episode coming out later this week, which will feature a really fun and kind of off the wall interview, different from your traditional uh, interview that way. So it should be a ton of fun. And I think you guys will really enjoy listening to that later this week. All right, guys, that wraps up our news portion, so we'll go ahead and get our ad reads out of the way, and then we'll talk uh, some basketball. 
Okay, so Wisconsin's picked up two big wins over the last uh, week or so. Uh, of course, the first one being Iowa, which we had not had a chance to talk to. Um, of course, coming into that game, you had Murray versus Jonathan Davis, two leading scorers in the country, and that matchup certainly lived up to the hype. I think Wisconsin came out, played really well offensively, did some really good things defensively. I thought they re- this was one of the games that they looked really good on the glass as well. So what kind of stood out to you in that Iowa game before we get into the Maryland conversation? Yeah, I thought you look at the way they were able to kind of keep Keegan-Marie in check in that first half somewhat. Um, he's going to get his to a certain extent, but but I thought that Wisconsin did a good job of kind of keeping him down and making life tough on Jordan Bohannon. Um, he's a guy who came in averaging um, around that 10-point 10, 10 mark, but he really just didn't get going until the last uh, five minutes, three minutes, where it was just garbage time and Wisconsin had already pulled their starters. Um, so I thought Wisconsin did a good job against them. Um, they also made life tough on the, the McCaffrey brothers. So I thought Wisconsin's defensive effort against an Iowa team who, you know, has put up just tremendous um, scoring outputs all season long was really the thing that jumped out. Wisconsin was the more physical team. They took it to Iowa in the paint. They out-rebounded them at a high level, um, crashed the offensive glass. And and that really was what stood out to me is they just beat Iowa up inside. Um, and, and that's an Iowa team that has some good players inside, and Wisconsin was able to um, be more aggressive and, and kind of insert their will uh, against Keegan Murray in that group um, and, and got some good at scoring output from really everybody who, who had a chance there, that entire starting five and double figures. Yeah, I think you like to really see the way they played in terms of that physical brand of basketball. You know, like I mentioned, being really good on the glass, being good on the defensive end against an offense that puts out some big numbers. They can, when the, when that Iowa offense is really clicking, it's, it's hard to slow down and stop. So I think for Wisconsin to, to come out and, and have that focus defensively is, is really nice to see. I mean, that's what we've talked about all season long with this team. I mean, you're going to have Jonathan Davis is going to be the guy that you go to offensively. You're hoping that you get, you know, double digit output from a guy like Brad Davison. Tyler Walls played a lot better, which we'll talk about maybe more in the Maryland, uh, conversation because he had a great, uh, game last night. So you're, you're expecting offensive contributions from everyone and then Jonathan Davis, but collectively, defensively, I think all of these guys have played really well and we saw, um, some really nice step ups from this group, um, uh, in that Iowa contest because they've got a handful of shooters that when they get hot, it can be a, a tough team to slow down and Wisconsin did. I think a really good job of slowing that down, limiting second chance points, and then on the other end, really cleaning up on the glass and giving themselves opportunities. So this team is, is continuing to click and continuing to play well, and I think it really starts on that defensive end and, and the way they're playing on that end right now. Yeah, they, they, they're they definitely pushing tempo a lot more than what we've seen the past, you know, 10 years. But at when you look at this, they're, they're, they're being still under control on offensive end and they're, and they're playing good defense. And that's, that's a good recipe. You can, as long as you're playing good defense, you can get out and you can run. You can try to, you can take earlier shots in the shot clock. But yeah, I mean, when they have all five starters getting in double figures, this team's going to be really tough to beat. I thought that Stephen Crowell was a guy who, who really played well against Iowa. You look at his, um, stat line, six of eight, um, 12 points and, and, and also dished out three assists. I thought when he's been aggressive on the offensive end and he's hunted his shot, which has gone on the last two games, both against Maryland and 
Iowa, this team is better. And I think he needs to continue to do that. He was more physical than a lot of the Iowa bigs, which I thought was important for him because he's still at this point a kind of a finesse uh, center, still kind of, you know, learning on the go here. But I also, Tyler Wall has just played so well here of late. Uh, he, he was just a mastermind, uh, against Iowa. He had to go up against Keegan Murray all game long. And then on the offensive end, six to seven, 16 points, nine rebounds. He did a little bit of everything. He had a block, a couple of steals, a couple of assists as well. He, he did some really nice things in that game to, to kind of help them out on both ends of the court. Um, and I think that's really important for this team because you've got your guard tandem of Brad Davison and Johnny Davis who, who are, you know, most of the time going to be your leading scorers, but to have Wall playing at a really high level and as, as one of the best forwards in the Big Ten goes a long way for this team because he can do so many different things. And like Crowell, when he's aggressive on the offensive end and he's willing to back guys down, he is a very different player than when he's passive and kind of hovers around um, the outside because his outside shot isn't there. Like it just hasn't been all year, and that's all right because that's not his game. But he can get to the rim, and he can back guys down, and that's what he does well. He's got to continue to be aggressive on that end. And if he keeps it going, um, he's going to do well. little shout-out to Jacoby Neath. I thought he played really well against Iowa, too, in, some, in about 13 minutes. Didn't do a lot from the scoring, but four big rebounds. Gave them some some huge plays in, in hustle time. So I, I thought he was a, kind of an unsung hero in that game as well. Yeah, I think in terms of Tyler Wall, he's a guy that he's given you a little bit of everything on both ends of the court, and I think that's huge for them. I mean, early in the season, he was a guy that was playing really well. I think he's played really well defensively all season long, but you wanted a little bit more from his game on the offensive end, and he's really started to heat up. I think in that Maryland contest last night, he was the guy that was really the big difference. When he was on the court, was it? he finished plus 17, I think we tweeted out from, from Bucky's fifth quarter, so he's a guy that when he's out there is is really giving this offense a boost and then you know, on the defensive end you know he, sometimes he's taking on a guy like you know like you mentioned in Murray he he's going out and he can guard a lot of different positions you know based on his height uh so he's a huge piece for this team and it's really starting i think to find his stride passing the ball well he had a nice couple uh, passes of to open cutters and I, I think right now if you can continue to get the contribution from Davis and Davison and then get that kind of all-around effort from Tyler Wall. Now you've got a recipe where this team is is really tough to beat, and when they're all clicking, it's it's a tough team to stop. And and that's what we've seen over the course of this win streak is is this team playing really collectively good basketball. Yeah, and Johnny Davis is still unworldly at this point. Um, that Iowa game, twenty six nine and five. Um, he he's just playing at such a high level that he makes this team so much more dynamic. He is. He is, you see everybody talking about that he is potentially the Naismith front runner, uh, first team all American, possible top 10, top five pick. Right now I saw a mock that he was the fifth pick to Portland. So he's, he's playing, um, a special brand of basketball right now and hopefully he can continue that going because if him and Wall can, can keep what they're doing going, um, these past couple of games, this team's going to be really, really tough to beat and they could definitely win the big 10 if they're playing at that level. Um, I think, you know, you don't want to move the the goal post too much on this team, but you also see just the way that they're playing. And I think this game coming against Ohio state will tell us a lot, but they're playing so well that uh, you, you got to think that 
this team is capable of doing a lot more than than uh, what most and us included thought this team could do coming into the year. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think you, you're starting to see, I mean, you talk about, you know, we talked about that Purdue win um, earlier last week, and you thought, okay, that was a huge win for them on the road against a top team. How would they come out and respond in that Iowa game? They came out, took care of business there, played you know, collectively really well, and, and had that game in hand for, for most of it. And that was against, you know, a big rival. A, a, of course, a heated game going back the last couple of years. There's always a little bit of history and drama with Wisconsin and Iowa. And, and there was no different in that contest with all of the, the, the talk after the game. So you wondered how they would respond again. Now going back out on the road uh, against a Maryland team that has a lot of talent and can be a really tough place to play. And they bounced back and, and won that game as well, despite, you know, we can maybe get into that game now. Um, you know, they came out on fire and then kind of went ice cold for the middle parts of that game. So I think it's nice to see this team responds and, and they don't get too high or too low. And I think that really allows them to continue this win streak and, and make them really look like a team that, is, like you mentioned, can compete for and, and all of a sudden be uh, one of the top teams in the league when we were talking about them early in the season being you know, a, a seven, eight, nine type of team. So they've really exceeded expectations and the way they play and, and the way they kind of keep themselves level. I think you can, that's a, a fair expectation for, for them to continue to be um, a team that competes and, and we'll see if they can come out again after another big win uh, Thursday evening against Ohio State. But to kind of talk about this Maryland game as we kind of get into that one now, like I mentioned, they came out on fire, hitting everything, uh, extended, you know, 21-point lead at one point in the first half. However, the last few minutes of the first half and into the second half, things went ice cold, and Maryland kind of got extremely hot themselves and, and narrowed it up. So to start that game to where the middle was at, what do you what did you look at and, and what kind of changed for you over the course of those uh, middle minutes, which went from you know, Wisconsin being red hot to all of a sudden ice cold? Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin had made a killing inside, um, and, and they did hit a couple – big three-pointers early as well, and then they couldn't hit from outside, and they kept shooting them. They started settling for jump shots, um, and they weren't falling. Um, I mean, Johnny Davis, you saw, he took a three-pointer right off the jump, nailed it, and, and then the rest of the way was 0 for 6. So, And it was the same story for Brad Davis, and he hit a 3, 0 for 6 the rest of the way. So I thought that Wisconsin did a good job of being aggressive, attacking the rim early. I thought Maryland did some good things to adjust on how they um, tried to stop Johnny Davis. I thought they actually did a pretty good job on him. He still got 19 and 7, um, but he had a couple turnovers, um, struggled with his shot a little bit more. But really it was Wisconsin wasn't able to get stops on the defensive end like they had been. And then on the offensive end, they just didn't – the movement wasn't there. I thought um, when Chris Vogt and um, – or when Tyler Wall went to the bench, Wisconsin really struggled on offense. He came back, and he gave them a huge jolt in the second half. Um, but but this is a team that I think when you look at it, a win is a win. In the Big Ten, you get a win on the road, and, and that is awesome. This was a big win for the Badgers, and it's – and they're not doing it the exact same way. Against Iowa, they were able to kind of coast most of that. They were in front control throughout the game. Against Maryland, they had the hot start. Maryland punched back. They were able to respond on the road. I, you know, Granted, there wasn't uh, a whole lot of fans in the Xfinity Center, but I thought that Wisconsin did enough to win this game, and that was a gritty performance that kind of encapsulates this team is, 
is they're able to find ways to win the game and beat and show that they are the better team. And that's the mark of a really good uh, team. Yeah, I think that's a great way to, to kind of talk about both of these games is, is the way that this team has played um, has, has been consistent. And, and the way you come out and, and sometimes you're going to have you're not always going to have the the high points. You're not going to sustain the heat that they had in the early parts of that game. But they came out and they found a way to win. They grinded out a victory. And, and like you mentioned, and as we've said for the last two, three years now, it's really tough to win on the road in the Big Ten. So for them to come out, as I mentioned, after that Purdue win, after that Iowa win, and not come out and, and fall flat in their face and in a, in a tough road environment sometimes, it's a place that Maryland can be a really tough team to take on. Sometimes they can give the Badgers fits, and for them to, to find a way to come away with the victory is, I think, all you can really take from that game. You know, there's, there's going to be points and things you'll look at. You know, the shooting woes were certainly there. There were some turnovers. Sometimes on the defensive end, they weren't getting there. But, again, this is a tough stretch of games, and, and it's a tough place to win on the road for, for any home in the Big Ten that way. So Wisconsin to come away with the victory, I think, is huge in that regard because it's a tough conference, and night in and night out, you're getting your best effort from a lot of different teams. So I think you're going to see um, Wisconsin sometimes have some struggles, but if they can pick up a victory uh, among some of those struggles, that's uh, that goes a long way. And at the end of the day, it's it's much easier to talk about a uh, grinded out win versus a, a tough loss where they, they kind of made some mistakes and, uh, and, and struggled. So a win is a win, especially in the Big Ten. Yeah, and um, I, I think that, that lead early, that confidence that they gained was huge because – Maryland did kind of turn the tables on them and they were playing, you know, out of their minds on offense for a while. They shot nearly 60% in the second half. So I, I think Wisconsin made their free throws when they had to that, that it was a nail biter at the end. Um, but Wisconsin took advantage of some Maryland turnovers. Uh, Maryland wasn't able to take advantage of, of Wisconsin's eight turnovers. Um, Wisconsin was, was had 18 points up to 12 Maryland. Um, but I, I think Wisconsin did enough to win. You've got to feel really good about uh, that victory and the the budding duo of Wall and Davis. I think that's really the big story from this is you knew Johnny Davis was going to be your guy going into the year, and he's played really well. But Wall early in the season had a couple games where he was just non-existent, right? Mm-hmm. Like he he had played well. We had seen flashes from him. But you still saw performances in games where – Okay, St. Francis five points, Green Bay two points, but then boom, 16 against Providence, 18 against St. Mary. So you still saw those games where he wasn't quite putting it together. Of late, 12 against Nichols, the Purdue game he had six, but um, was was dealing with um, the, the following out, foul trouble throughout the night, couldn't get into a groove. But then against Iowa, 16, Maryland 21. I think he's kind of finding his niche on this team in a role as a leader. That was something Greg Gard really wanted from him. And I think he's just playing at a really high level and is going to be able to help this team go as far as they can. Um, and Brad Davison is going to be able to give them that three-point shooting that they need. Both him and Johnny Davis are actually shooting fairly well from three, um, all things considered. But this team shot 11% from three um, in the second half, which is usually going to be a recipe for defeat. But like I said, they, they find a way to win. They grou- grinded it out um, and got some big shots from guys. I thought um, even even getting some guys like Warren Bowman back in the action, I thought he played 
all right um, with Chucky Hepburn struggling throughout the game. Um, to see Bowman come in, play some, give them some good minutes, I thought was huge. So I, I think they're getting some of their pieces back. You've got to hope that Neath gets healthy. Um, he just can't catch a break. But I think that starting five is coming together. And once again, Stephen Crow, um, when he was he put up nine and eight, three of four. I want to see him be more aggressive on the offensive end because I think he can do some damage inside. He is a skilled big man, um, and he's got to be confident with with hunting his shot when he's got opportunities um, because this team still needs that because they aren't a great three-point shooting team. So when the ball goes inside, be aggressive, take it up, and and I think that'll come for Crowell because Wall is doing it now. And as, as Wall continues to do it, if he can continue to push on Crowell to do the same, this team – can really, you know, go to an even higher level, I think. Yeah, absolutely. This team can, and certainly despite all the, the praises that we've given them over the course of this season, I still think they have room for improvement um, in a lot of different areas. That's a, an area, you know, in, with Crowell that he can certainly get better. Tyler Wall, I'm glad you mentioned some of those early season outputs. He's gotten better. And if he gives you a little bit more and, and all of a sudden becomes the focal point for the defense, that can open things up for uh, a Chucky Hepburn or a crowd, guys that maybe aren't getting as much attention. When you look at, you know, teams are going to first come out and, and try and slow down Jonathan Davis as much as they can, and that creates opportunities for Brad Davison. They're going to have to give some focus on there, and all of a sudden now you've got an inside presence in Tyler Wall that is going to have to take some attention as well. So it's it's an interesting look at this team with, you know, we we've, we've talked a lot about how good they can be, but I still think this team can be even better. And I think that's a great point when you look at this team is, is won three in a row and is winning in conf, tough in-conference games, knocking off ranked teams in, in, in a group like Purdue. But I still think there's room for improvement, and I think that just shows just how good and surprising this team has been over the course of the season. Yeah, if you would have told me at, at this point of the year that this team would be 13-2, and 4-1 and one in conference, and one of their losses would have been to Providence without Johnny Davis, and Providence would be, um, you know, pushing to be a top 25 team as well. I, I think you're you're just ecstatic. Um, so um, kudos to Greg Gard and this team. They played really well, and now they have an opportunity to to get some revenge on Ohio State. That the lone blemish on their season where they they were just severely outclassed by Ohio State when they were in Columbus. This is a chance to respond with a big win. Ohio State's going to be a good team, a tough game at the Kohl Center, but you, you're happy that this one's now at home, and it could be a nice springboard when you've got Northwestern after that and to follow that up with another big game against um, Michigan State. So things are looking up for the Badgers. you got to just keep on going. Five in a row is great, but you – they could hypothetically make it seven, eight, and that's when when you're getting to a point where you look at this team as act, contending for a Big Ten title is this next kind of stretch run. They got to just keep it going because they've got a chance. Northwest, you know, you look at their games. The Ohio State and Michigan State games are going to be tough, but Northwestern, Nebraska, Minnesota, those are all very winnable games that Wisconsin can do. So if you're able to take down Ohio State, Michigan State, you're on a big old run. Potential. Yeah, absolutely. This team has is, is got everything in front of them, and, and picking up win after win is, is always important, and that will continue as the Badgers look to seek some revenge against Ohio State. Been a little bit over a, a month uh, by the time they'll play from where Wisconsin had their last blemish in a tough game, and I think Wisconsin can certainly come out and play that team a little bit tougher than they did the first time around. So that will be a, a really fun one to watch and talk about um, after the contest tips off Thursday evening at 6 p.m. All right, guys, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. As always, thank you for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed us 
getting back in the groove and talking about these uh, a few big news stories and uh, a couple big basketball games. So, as I mentioned, we'll be back with you later in this week. And as always, on Wisconsin. Thank you.